0: You are now tuned in to the Jags Den Podcast, the official podcast of the Jaguars Wire brought to you by USA Today Sports Media Group and also the number one Jaguars podcast on the airwaves. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Jags Den Podcast. For a special episode not so much a full episode uh but more so a a special edition or an interview if you want to call it that uh with the jazz great who we're going to introduce in a little bit um i have my man jacob de who as you all know is my co-host partner in crime on the jaguars wire with me uh jacob how are you doing my man
1: doing well today man how are you doing
0: i'm good man can't complain man other than this gloomy weather in georgia i'm good but, uh, yeah, I I can't complain aside from that.
1: That's good. Uh, we got something special for our listeners today. You know? <clears throat> Think they'll enjoy it?
0: Definitely, definitely. Uh, we got a jazz great in the house, like I said, man, like... You know, we don't really do interviews with players, so I felt like this was a little bit of a different dynamic to uh take with that. But before we introduce him real quick, um you all know where our handles are. USA today dot com. You can find the Jags Dan Podcast in this interview on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, of course. So um I am at sportsgrind underscore Don on Twitter, Jacob is underscore Jadella. And uh that being said, we will get into the interview um, with Jags Great, and you all know him from 1010XL, Leon Searcy. Uh, I'm sure you all listen to him throughout the week and his takes and whatnot. So uh, that being said, Leon, how are you doing today? And welcome to the Jags Damn Podcast.
2: Hey, gentlemen, I appreciate y'all having me on right now. It's a beautiful Sunday afternoon. I'm in the car headed to the beach and smoke me a cigar and have a few drinks. Don't get no better than that.
0: It don't. That's Florida for you, man. <laughs> really
2: doesn't. Like I'm jealous right now.
0: I'm telling you, Jacob's. Uh, he's calling in from work, and I'm sitting at my office desk. So, <laughs> you know, I-, I wish I could uh speak for the same. Where Where you coming from, Leon?
2: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, well, you know what? You gotta make the most of the day. I know it's raining up there in Georgia. That's why I'm a Florida boy. I'm gonna stay in Florida. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I hear you. I hear you on that. I'm I'm right there with you. I, I, I'm I'm gonna be there later this month, so uh, I'll I'll get to enjoy a little bit of that too. So, uh, uh, without further ado, we just get into our questions real quick. Like I say, we want to hold you up. We know you got a nice day on the beach to enjoy. Um, I'll start with the first question. And um, it's it's about the offensive line because you can speak on this as a former offensive lineman. And, uh, you know, being somebody who played with Tom Coughlin, as I said, and played with Boselli, you would be perfect to ask about this. Um, and we've long felt that there's a misconception with the Jacksonville Jaguars offensive line that a lot of people blame the demise of Blake Bortles on them. Uh, That being said, um, they were when they were healthy in 2017, they kept him upright and they were a very fluid unit. And I'm talking about the offense in general. Uh, Of course, you know, they fell a victim to injuries in 2018. But when 100 percent, what's your your take on this offensive line as a whole, although they do have some holes on the right side?
2: Well, I mean, here's the thing with the offensive line, for the most part, last year they were decimated. In 2017, when the Leonard Fournette was running well, the offensive line, for the most part, stayed healthy. Didn't have any guys, any in key injuries. And when you deal with a 16-game season, you want to keep the up, offensive line healthy. In and, and 2017, they were, for the most part, they were healthy. In 2018, they were decimated. I mean, uh, Cam Robinson blew out his ACL, second mm-hmm. game of the season. Then, uh, you know, he had issues with uh, Andrew Noel, with his ankle. And then, uh, then Brandon Leonard, the center, he blew out his ACL in the middle of the season. And mm-hmm. the only healthy guy that was, only guy that was really healthy was AJ Campbell, who was the right guard. Carnell struggled with injuries as well. So anytime, you know, as much as uh, attention that you give to the quarterback, the running back, and the receivers, if your offensive line is depleted, right. your team is going to struggle. And one another thing, the another thing that that the offensive line, you know, they didn't have any real depth, so you didn't have any guys that would step in and hopefully guys back to prepare for the offensive line to be back healthy mm-hmm. uh, for the regular season. So uh, the key is you gotta keep the offensive line healthy if you want your offense if you want your offense to be productive.
0: True that true that I, I agree. Um, and, and like I said, you know, there were some things that you know that were in Blake's control, like you know the mechanics that kind of never got better. Uh, this, that, and the other that kind of hurt them as well. But yeah, like you said, with the offensive line, a lot of them were injured, and that just made it a difficult season in general. Especially when it's starting with it starting early with Cam, and then it kind of had a trickle effect, and and no depth as you said. So you know that that does um, that can hamper a team as we saw, and um, the results you know was a five win season. So. Uh, up next, Jacob, you got the next question, my man. Uh, yeah.
1: In regards to the offensive line, um, Will Richardson is currently penciled. It looks like he'll be the starting right tackle going into the season. What are your thoughts on what he brings to the table? Because looking at him last year in his rookie year, we didn't get a chance to necessarily see that much. So what are your
2: expectations for him, and what do you think he adds to the line? Well, I mean, it's hard to have any expectations expectations on the guy that you've never seen play, to be quite honest. With you, man. And until he gets on the field, I, can, I can't I can make a fair analysis on him because right now he's just a guy. I mean, he has potential. I mean, they drafted him. I believe they drafted him in the fourth round a couple of years back. So I haven't seen enough film on him to give him a fair evaluation. Mm-hmm. But um, when you lose a guy like Furnell, Furnell was a little long in the tooth as a right tackle, and that's the reason why the Jaguars let him go because they were trying to look for, like, younger guy, and, every, and if you look at a lot of the mock drafts right now, you know, they have Juwan Taylor going to seven-pick Jacksonville at right tackle. So, I mean, I've seen Jawan Taylor on film. He's a brute at right tackle, and if you bring him in, he's the type of guy that you can plug in right then, there week one. So, I mean, Will Richardson um, can't really give you an evaluation. Um, he, he does provide you with depth. He is young. He does have potential, but the fact that he hasn't started the game yet uh, means that he's just a guy until I actually see him perform week one.
1: That's a fair analysis and expectation of there's nothing to go there. There's nothing to go by, so I can't really say anything one way or the other. Right, mm-hmm. And right. you kind of mentioned it, which kind of leads into our next question. Sorry to uh, cut you off, Jay. No, you good. Go ahead. But you mentioned taking Taylor with the seventh overall pick, do you feel like that's the right way to go? Like that'll help, that'll add depth, that can fix the issues?
2: Well, some of the issues associated with the offense and offensive line as a unit? Well, you know, I'm, listen, I'm not going to bad Bob Taylor because I actually do mentor him right now. Okay. I've been mentoring him over the last couple of weeks about, you know, talking to him about the process of being a potential first-round pick. And I kind of get these guys an assessment of what to expect uh, moving forward. But in my evaluation of, of, of right tackle, unless you can say that Jawan Taylor is going to be a Lane Johnson for the Philadelphia Eagles, who's a, a three, perennial three-time All-Pro, I don't think you take a, a right tackle that high in the draft. Me, my assessment is uh, you take if you want to take uh, offensive linemen, take a left tackle and move Cam Robinson to right. Uh, I'm not really a big fan of Cam Robinson playing left tackle right now. I mean, I, I know he's a rookie, and I'm I'm kind of hard on offensive linemen when it comes, but his fundamentals and techniques are flawed. Now, granted, he's only played two years in the league, but I think he would be more of an asset to the Jaguars if you move in the right tackle and then draft the left tackle at number seven. Now you've got your bookends to protect the close group four. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, the difference between – the difference between – and I tell people this all the time. Um, the reason why um, – Ken Robinson's techniques are flawed in a sense coming out of Alabama is because essentially every time he played against somebody, he was better than them. But when you get to the next level, if your, if your techniques and fundamentals aren't, aren't on point, you can get exposed. Now, he got exposed as a rookie. Now, it, it's rare that a rookie comes in and starts elect let that in the NFL. So he did an adequate job, but it's just a lot of stuff that I see and his techniques and his fundamentals that needs to be improved upon uh, moving forward if he's going to continue to stay at left tackle. And he's coming off an injury, and he's coming off an injury to his left leg, his ACL, which is his kick leg, his kick and plant leg and maneuverable leg when it comes to speed rushes and all that kind of stuff.
0: Right, yeah. I've actually had arguments with people on this. Not arguments, but like heated debates with people about that. On the Jaguars, where a lot of people are, are like, you know, hey, leave him at left tackle because... You know, he's not really never played right tackle, but I kind of agree with you on that. Like with him, especially with him coming off an injury and he struggled prior. One would think he's going to struggle coming back into this season because he's been away from football so long. So I feel like, you know, why not just, you know, maybe try him at right tackle or just maybe get the best available offensive line you can get in the first or second round. Hopefully that's a tackle and just let them battle it out and decide who's the better right uh, who's the better left tackle and who's the better right tackle but that's just my personal take so I I tend to agree with you and Jacob on that Um, my question now is um, since a lot of people we hear about these um, all over the radio a lot of people have Tom Coughlin stories Uh, what's your favorite Tom Coughlin story uh, from your time with the Jaguars?
2: Oh, Lord. <laughs> okay. Okay, well, here my, my favorite time talking to the story actually happened my first year in, in Jackson. Mm. You know, everybody heard about, you know, the all the, uh, uh, well, his training camp was known as Camp Hale. That's what we call his training camp, called Camp Hale. He had all these rules and regulations that you couldn't do and whatever. So on more more, more occasions than none, I used to just do stuff to get fined. Because because I was I was making a boatload of money anyway, so but my favorite Tom Coughlin story is uh, we were three and six, okay. You know I just come off a I just come from a team where we just played in the Super Bowl to a team that was three and six about nine games of the season. So um, I come into the locker room and there's a note on my stool. And it says, please see Coach Coughlin. And what we used to call Coach Coughlin back in the day is principal we say, Oh, I say, damn, we gotta go to the principal's office. <laughs> so I pick up the note, I go to his office, he comes in the office, and Tom Coughlin has this chair. He has this chair that you sit in and that, that sloops down. So he looks like he's standing over you. Uh, you know, the man, you know, he you know, he had that Napoleonic image and then he had the Feel like he was towering. over So I'm in this office. I'm sitting down. He says, "Leon, how you think you're playing this year?" He said, "Well, coach, you know I'm playing average." He say, "You say you're damn right. You're playing average." He <laughs> said, hey, "We didn't pay you all this money to play average. Why?" Don't you <laughs> well, you know, coach, was struggling a little bit. He said, "Leon, why are you out past midnight?" I said, "Huh?" He said, "Yes, we we've got people." who followed you around and seeing that, that seen you out past midnight. Mm-hmm. He said, what could you possibly be celebrating? We're three and six. I said, Coach, I'm grown. What you talking about? <laughs> I said, I'm grown, Coach. He was like, well, you know, you're grown. You're one of the leaders on this team and stuff. You can't be seen about at the clubs and, in Jacksonville when we're losing. I said, Coach, I said, the reason why we're losing, Coach, now he had never met this to this day, but he'll never admit this because I said, coach, we're losing because, you know, because we had back in the day, we had full pad Fridays, bro. We used to be a full pass and go goal line on Friday when we had a game on Sunday. So he was wearing us out and I basically told him, coach, we ain't got no legs. Mm -hmm. The reason why we're losing all these close games is because you are running us. You are, you know, you're dragging this team down. I said, you need to let up on the players a little bit and, you know, we'll start winning some games. To make a long story short, You know, we were 3-6 and in 1996. We won six out of the seven games, went to the playoffs, and made it to the AFC Championship game. Now, he would never to this day give me credit for that, but I gave him that speech. (laughs) I gave him that speech by letting up on the players and giving us some legs so we could play, and we ultimately made that run, got into the playoffs, beat Buffalo, beat Denver, and win the AFC Championship game.
0: Wow, that sounds accurate too. Just, I mean, we don't know Coughlin like personally, but just from.
2: Well, I know him real well. Right,
0: right. <laughs>
2: I know him real well. The last, I'm gonna tell you the last time. The last time I saw Coach Coughlin, I'm gonna tell you what. Last time I saw Coach Coughlin was at the Buffalo game, the Buffalo playoff game, and I was in the bathroom and he skipped me in the line. <laughs> <laughs> he skipped me in line. That's they, and, and he walked right in front of me. It was a line in the bathroom. Wow. And I was in the bathroom. He opened the door and got in front of me. I said, Well I said, well, damn coach. <laughs> he turned around. Oh Leon, I didn't see you. I said the hell you didn't see.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Come on, really, man. Leon, man. We you you bruh, one of the biggest offensive linemen out, you know, that we ever had. Yeah, like bruh, how did he not see you?
2: <laughs> that was the playoff game in Jacksonville against Buffalo. That was the last time I saw Coach Paul. <laughs> wow. In the line in, in the line <laughs> in the bathroom where he skipped.
1: My bad, man. I didn't
2: see. <laughs> really,
0: really, Coach. <laughs> All right, so uh, my next question, Leon. Um, I, I want to ask something on the um the latest because you know we're coming off a of free agent, um, free agency, uh, in April, or should I say uh, last month in March. And uh, you know, of course the big signing for us was Nick Foles. A uh, really quick, what was your thoughts on him, on the Jags signing him? And what do you think he brings to the table in terms of uh, you know, a quarterback that can lead a team that a lot of people felt were one quarterback away from, you know, becoming like Super Bowl contenders?
2: Well, yeah, I tell I tell I tell people this all all the time that there's nothing like the faith that you have in a quarterback to get the job done. And I call him St. Nick because anytime in December or January, he's he's bringing gifts to the Philadelphia Eagles. They've needed him the last couple of years in the postseason. They run to the playoffs. So the guy is proven. And there's nothing, the sashay that he has. anytime you're the Super Bowl MVP, the minute you walk in that locker room, guys are going to know that you got it done at the highest level. Now, believe it or not, that 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 plays a, a fundamental part and just the fact that you know that you got a guy in the huddle that can get it done. And no knock on Blake Bortles. You know, Blake Bortles, you know, Blake was who he was, but Blake is not Nick Foles. Nick Foles is a guy that when he's in that huddle and he tells you, hey, we're down by five, we need a touchdown, we're two minutes to go, you believe. And as an offensive line, as a running back, as a receiver, as a tight end, you're going to get it done. I tell people all the time that this receiving court with the Jaguars is going to be better because Nick Foles is going to throw those guys open. He's going to know to find – he's going to find holes in the secondary. He's going to find holes in coverages. He, he's going to he's going to help Leonard that because anytime you got a quarterback that's a threat to your defense, you know, you can't put eight, nine in the box now because, you know, last year fundamentally we couldn't do anything in the passing game and they stacked the house on the Jaguars the mass majority of the time. Linda Fournette was running in holes at eight, nine in the box. That's not gonna happen now. Now that you got Nick Foles, he's gonna it's gonna be wide open and that's gonna be Leonard Fournette's best friend, his ability to run with six or seven in the box with a healthy mm-hmm. offensive line. So I know I played with a quarterback and Mark Brunel, and Mark Brunel used to come in the huddle. And listen, I can tell you when we when we played Denver in the mm-hmm. second round in 1996, Mark Brunel, when Denver got close and we needed to go down and score a touchdown, Mark Brunel came in the huddle and said, hey, boys, y'all having fun? Let's go get it done. <laughs> right. That, right. You don't know what that does to the confidence of your whole team when you know that you believe that you quarterback. And what did Mark Brunel do? He took us down 80 yards, and he threw that fade pass to Jimmy Smith that sealed the game against the Broncos. But he said it in the huddle. Four minutes before we even got to it, so wow. Nick Foles is going to have that same kind of confidence that he's going to instill in his team. When you're down by five with a minute to go and you need a touchdown, the belief system in that locker room is going to be amazing with Nick Foles in there.
0: Wow, that that's awesome, especially on the stories about Brunell. I remember as a kid watching the, you know, the, the game when it drives, he would lead you guys down the field on, and like, you know, it just it makes so much sense that he he would go into. Go and ahead. Pivotal you do
2: games, and pivotal games where you think that everything's on the line, Mark Bernal will come in and crack jokes. <laughs> see, that's what we need. You got
1: to have a whole nother level of confidence to be in a tight game Absolutely. and just walk in a huddle and go, hey, guys, y'all having fun? Exactly. <laughs> what? Am I having fun? Do you see the scoreboard right now?
0: <laughs> but, hey, that just showed he had
2: a clutch gene. Exactly. He had the clutch gene.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh man, that's awesome, man. I, I, I wish like you know, I, I never was able to play on the NFL level, but like it's stories like that that make me wish like I could just you know be a part of the huddle for that you know for for instances like that because that's just that's awesome, man. And you could tell Mark played with that confidence when you look back at you know the film mm-hmm. from back in the day, man. He just he just had a it factor, and hopefully, uh, Nate Foles will bring that
2: too. Absolutely, I love, I love, I love lefty. I love lefty.
0: Yeah, man, he's he oh, man, he means so much to the franchise in terms of the past and and the current man, and uh you know I, until this day I still have a Mark Brunell poster in my room right now because he just meant so much to the franchise man and and what he did for him.
2: Yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark's my man.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so, Jacob, you got the last question, and then Leon, we'll let you uh talk about the uh, top golf tournament uh, that's going to be held on April the twenty eighth, and you know get into the dynamics of that.
2: All
1: right, no problem. Uh, yeah, the last question, because to be honest, we could ask you questions all day and get stories, and we would love to, but we value your time. So we're just going to get you out of here with one last question before we get into the Legends Top Golf Tournament that Jay mentioned. Uh, you recently w- was on Twitter, and you discussed the how the season ended in 99 when you fell short of the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically more or less how the 2017 season went. So from your perspective, which one do you think was like was more difficult for the fans to swallow? Was it that '99 um, one or was it 2017? Because they're very similar if you just look at it from the outside.
2: Well, I, you know, I think the I think the '99 team is a little bit more devastating because the whole purpose behind, you know, the progress of the organization or the franchise was to get the number one seed home field advantage and to roll the Super Bowl to come to Jacksonville. That right. was the whole that, that was a whole premise. The whole premise that went from ninety six to 98. When we lost those, when we had to go on the road, we had to go on the road. So we made up in our minds going into nineteen ninety nine that we were just gonna be the best team in the NFL and the road to the Super Bowl would have to come through Jacksonville. So that loss is a lot more devastating mm-hmm. probably to the franchise because after the fan base got a taste of what we did to the Dolphins, they just the fans just saw it was a shoe in that We was gonna make the Super Bowl. Cause you know, you don't beat the Dolphins 62 to seven and not think that we're going to the Super Bowl. And I can remember being on the sideline when they took me out in the middle of the third quarter and when we was up 42 to 7. I said to myself, bruh, we need to save some points. <laughs> <laughs> we need to save some points, I'm telling you, because it went from 42 to 7, 49, 55, next thing you know, 62. I said, Oh lord, we just too many points but that, that, that had to be more devastating you know it had to be more devastating to the fan base in the franchise because that team in 1999 was probably the best team in Jaguars history What the elite talent that we had on both sides of the ball mm-hmm. I mean just the Pro Bowl I mean the guys that went to the Pro Bowl we had seven guys go to the Pro Bowl including myself, Brunel, Jimmy Smith, uh, Keenan, um, you know uh, Brackens, Kevin Hardy, Carnell Lake. I mean, we just had a star-studded roster. Where if we had faced the greatest show on turf, we would have got that ass. I believe so. I believe we would have got that ass. Oh man,
0: I would have loved to see that too, man. To be honest with you, I I mean, I was only a kid when it happened, so like you know, I was distraught on my end. But um, like now to you were (laughs) distraught, bro, you were (laughs) distraught,
2: bro. I was, I was in the locker room. After the game when we lost, mm-hmm. I was so upset and I don't cry. I don't I had angry tears. <laughs> I had angry tears in the locker room and I was I was in the mirror swinging at an invisible person. That's how mad I was. I right. was just throwing blows because I couldn't believe that we lost that game.
0: Mm-hmm. Rightfully so though, man. Y'all put so much into getting home field advantage, you know? I can understand Bro, that.
2: Yeah, fourteen and two. Mm-hmm. Best record in the NFL, number one seed, uh, road to the Super Bowl, got to come through. That's what we dreamed of. That's right. that's how yeah. we worked. And the work so hard to get that, to just let it slip. And we blew it. We blew it. We absolutely blew it. And then you add on the fact that we did a freaking rap song that I was the <laughs> damn producer of. I forgot <laughs> about know? that. So that just made it even worse. You know, the fact that we did – a good friend of mine that played with the Tennessee Titans, I talked to him on a radio show about about three months ago named Yancey Pigman. He told me that before before the game and at halftime, he would play that rap song at the Tennessee Titans to motivate his team. And these guys, you know, he told me that he did it because he, he told them, you know, you lose any leverage you can to get you get yourself motivated. He said he played, he played the rap song to, tell the, to let the Tennessee Titans know that we didn't respect. I don't think it had any really outcome in the game. I mean, I just think that the Titans, for the most part, just outplayed us, especially in the second half. But we had Yancey Thigpen on the radio show, and he told me he played the song because he was hurt. He ain't playing the game. Mm-hmm. And he said he played the song before in halftime. And then when we lost the game, they started singing the song, Uh-Oh, when we lost the game. And Yancey come over there running towards me, singing the song, Uh-Oh.
0: Lord, I told oh, him I man. should have
2: body slammed. I told <laughs> him he was all good. He, I he was to get body
0: slammed. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised you didn't give him an uppercut. And I'm, I'm glad you held, held back, though, because nah, that would have been he's bad. My boy. Now,
2: I wanted to headbutt him now. I ain't going to lie. I
0: wanted to headbutt him. <laughs> I wanted to headbutt him. All right, for real. Oh, man. That reminds me of uh, when... You know, we went on the run recently in in twenty seventeen. Fournette and um, Jalen Ramsey were talking about releasing a song like during the postseason run, and like the moment they released that tweet, I was like, "No, please do not do that <laughs> until we secure this win against." Well, here, that, but, but but
2: bro, here is the thing about here is the thing about the uh, the song. Uh oh. Mm-hmm. Now, I re- the, the the guy who produced the song was the, uh, the guy. You remember the Quad City DJ? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, so. So he 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 him, him and my, my wife at the time they they worked together because my my wife at the time used to work for LaFace Records mm-hmm. so she knew she knew old boy from the Quasi DJ, DJ he's a big Jaguar fan so he I, I he came to one of the games it was like week thirteen he I, I got him tickets to the game he was well he was in my box he he, he watched the game he said man we y'all should do a song I was like oh I thought he was I thought he was just messing around mm-hmm. so he called me up I went to his studio and i brought some guys there and we, we 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 wrote we did the song and i told them specifically i said bro do not release this song <laughs> until we get to the super bowl right he's like no nah, bro we, we we ain't going we ain't going to do that so week so week 15 you know right before we played Tennessee Titans i'm on my way to work and and, and I joined the radio station, and the radio station Man, we got this hot new joint from the Jacksonville Jaguar team. Da, 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 da. Uh, uh, he's playing the song. Mm-hmm. And I'm on my way to work. I said, Lord, I already know Tom Coughlin. <laughs> Tom Coughlin. So, Tom Coughlin. So, by the time we got in the locker room, I had a note on my, dirt. I had me, Keenan, and Jimmy. We had notes <laughs> on our, our, our things that come see Coach Coughlin. So, we went to his office. Coach Coughlin's like, He said, What are you guys thinking about doing this rap song? Da, 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 da. We don't need no distractions, this and that. And the best thing that Jimmy Smith said to Coach Coughlin, it rings like a bell. I think about it all the time. Coach Jim Coach Coughlin was going. To, we now we granted, now we were like four, we were 13 and one. Jimmy said, Coach, you scared? <laughs> That's what he said. That's what Jimmy Smith said. It was me, Jimmy, and Keenan in there. And Coach Coughlin was going off about the song and and you know, this is a distraction and da da da. And Jimmy said, Coach, what's wrong? You scared? Wow. He said, because I ain't scared. He said, the song ain't got nothing to do with us playing. And you know what? When we beat the Dolphins 62-7 in that playoff game, where do you think they played right after the game on the loudspeak in the stadium? Uh-oh. They played <laughs> uh-oh right <laughs> away, man. Thank you. They played it on the loudspeak in the stadium. They played the song uh-oh.
0: Oh, man. The, Leon, I got to tell you, man, this is like the best interview I've done, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was hilarious. These
1: gems are priceless. Oh my god! Coach, you scared?
0: <laughs> and you know what? Like, I don't like thinking about it. Jimmy, don't strike me as a guy that would like do that. But that—that that is hilarious, man. That is hilarious to know what went. Bro, they,
2: they rings like when he said it, because you know, I because I, I was starting to second guess myself about doing the song and stuff like that. And Coach Kaufman going off about, and we, now we thirteen and one. Now this is a distraction. We another and Jimmy said, Coach, what's wrong? Are you scared? <laughs> You swear, coach? <laughs> I said, I said, Goddamn! I went with. I said, yeah, coach. What's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, we're thirteen and one. Right. That's why I love Jay Smooth. Jay Smooth, my boy, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> you know how we gave him. You know, you know, I gave him the name Jay Smooth, right?
0: No, I didn't know that. I've always wondered no, where I the origin I gave him from. The
2: name Jay Smooth because because you know I was a big guy, but I dressed well, and so me, me, Keenan and Jimmy used to have a battle. Who oh, was the best dressed? You know when we went on the road, right? And one day Jimmy Smith had on on had on some kind of suit. I said, "Damn, Jay Smooth!" And it just came out my mouth. Right. Nice. So I, I called him Jay Smooth.
0: Nice, and that's how that's how the that's where the origin of Jay Smooth came from, huh?
2: Yeah, that's where it came from. See, I, I gave Cordell Stewart his name, Slash. When, when I was playing with Cordell Stewart, when uh my last year in Pittsburgh, right? Cordell Stewart, he he would play, he played running back, quarterback, tight end, slot pursuit. I said, mm-hmm. "Damn, bro!" I said, "You play quarterback slash running back slash receiver slash." I said, we well, you just call your man slash?" <laughs> <laughs> Priceless, <laughs> I, mean, I don't, gyms, get, no, I don't man. get no. I don't get. I should have copyrighted all of that.
0: Right, right, to get your money out of it, but and, and it's funny you mentioned that with uh with Jimmy because like of course he would be like one of the the, the best dressed in the locker room because that receiver money different from everybody else money.
2: Exactly, yeah, exactly. Exact. <laughs> yeah, I gave him the name Jay Smooth.
0: <laughs> nice, nice. So, Leon, man, we're gonna let you uh go ahead and go about your day, man. Real quick. Oh, Appreciate. I mean, no, no problem, man. No problem at all. If you would, please, man, talk about this wonderful event. Uh, the Jaguars legend top golf tournament that will be held on April the 28th. That's the Sunday during the draft, if I'm not mistaken. And now uh, would you talk, if yeah. you would talk about the festivities, you know, who's going to be there and uh, you know, all, all of the details behind that.
2: Well, it, it, the reason why I wanted to do the uh, the, 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 the um, tournament for the most part is because this is actually the 25th anniversary of Jacksonville Jaguar football 25 years ago. Jacksonville was blessed with this franchise. And there's been some amazing players that came through Jacksonville uh, over the last 25 years. They're actually going to have a top 25 Jaguars um, um, memorial. Well, not Memorial. That sounds kind of dark. But they're going to have they're going to acknowledge, they're going to, they're going to acknowledge the top 25 Jaguars in every home game uh, during this season. So I said to myself, you know what? Let's do a tournament. Because most of these guys I haven't seen for like 5, 10, 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So we got a star-studded event. I mean, it's all going... a mass majority of the proceeds are going to a charity called Foster Closet, Mm -hmm. which provides uh, medical, health, home, food, shelter assistance for foster kids. So it's an outstanding... You can go to uh, Mm fostercloset.org if you want to buy your tickets or make a donations as a sponsor. So, um... Who we're gonna have? The the event's gonna be April twenty eighth at Top Golf here in Jacksonville, four o'clock to seven p.m. At three thirty, we're gonna have a red carpet where fans can actually go outside and take selfies with their their favorite Jaguar player, or even uh, get an autograph if the the players wish to do. And afterwards, we're gonna have an after party where fans can come and mingle with the players afterwards. So, who do we have on board? Well, we got some top 25 Jaguars are going to be there. Myself, I'm going mm-hmm. to be, be there. We're going to have Tony who's going to be there. We'll have Mark Brunell who's going to be there. We're going to have Josh who's going to be there. We're going to have Kevin Hardy who's going to be there. We're going to have Tommy McManus. We're going to have Jeff Lagerman. We're going to have Dave Waddell. We're going to have Greg Huntington. Uh, we're going to have Maurice Williams. I mean, we're, we're going to have some of the top 25 jaguar top 50 Jaguars of all time there. Right now, we've got 25 Jaguars listed to come. And and there's there's limited tickets. The fan base is only allowed allowed 100 tickets that they can purchase. Mm -hmm. And then we're going to have sponsorship packages as well. We're going to have a silent auction. Uh, We're going to have a silent auction for the event. And I'm working on getting my man from the Quad City DJs to DJ the event as well.
0: Okay, man, that sounds awesome, man. All of the the legends that you said are coming in and just I mean, the the pure fact that, you know, what what it is for, you know, for charity, as you said, is for uh, Foster's Closet. And and as you said, like it, it's just gonna be a fun time. I, I mean I've I've seen a lot of the top golf events that they do with the Jaguars, and nine times out of ten, you know, it's a great fan experience. And and like I said, you know, it also is a, a good cause for the community. So uh Leon, man, we really appreciate this um interview and you taking the time out of your day to speak with us. Like I said, you gave us some classic gems. I feel like this is the best interview I've done in my short career as a journalist. And we really appreciate it. I know I speak for for Jacob. Hey. Well, man,
2: Well, if you think you heard something wait till my book comes out oh man oh not that <laughs> where well, can
0: well, i copy that let me know
1: real quick while uh, we got you on the line about that book hey you ain't heard nothing yeah wait till the book comes out is it going to cover your college career or just throw
2: me growing up college nfl after football uh, wife, boss, alimony of uh, all that kind uh, I will pay for that book just to read the
1: chapters from the U up until like the first couple of years in Jacksonville. That is what oh I'll my
2: god!
0: Money. Oh. Hey, and if you have a book signing for that man, holler at us, man.
2: <laughs> I'm so confident that the book when it comes out, it's gonna be a. It's gonna. I'm already talking to people about making it a Netflix series because I've got so many freaking stories to tell. is is amazing. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I,
1: I I gotta pick this book up. Me too. Just me too. Like these said, two gems the, you gave us in this convo, yeah.
2: <laughs> and like it's I so said, man, good. if you
0: have a book signing, man, we we'll definitely be there for that, man. We <laughs> so. I'll let you know. The
2: first one's hey, when I have a book signing, it's gonna be in Jacksonville. Uh,
0: okay, all right, and also right. Uh, we'll have uh, John, uh, your management, uh, me and Jacob. We might be in town for uh, the draft that week. <laughs> We'll reach out to him and see if we can come through for the top golf event, you know what I'm saying? And uh we, we okay. definitely once again, we appreciate this, man. Um good looking out, ladies and gentlemen. That was Leon Searcy, uh, former offensive lineman for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Pros like you, no trusted brands have a hand in helping you nail the job. Start with Lowe's, where you'll find those brands and savings too. Stop in today and pick up a new Metabo HPT one and three quarter inch fifteen degree pneumatic roofing nailer for twenty bucks less now two sixty nine, and get a new Dewalt Tough Grip fifty two piece steel hex shank screwdriver bit set for just fourteen ninety eight, saving you five bucks. For even more ways Lowe's saves your business money, stop by the pro desk and talk to our dedicated pro team today. Whatever you need to get the job done, do it right for less. Start with Lowe's. Offers valid through eleven six U.S. only.